0: Hey Hope family, welcome to another Hope Daily and our last look at the book of John. Today I'm actually going to recycle a Hope Daily. I hope that's okay. This one originally aired or was released back in March of 2021 when I was looking at the cast of Easter and different people who play different roles at Easter. And this looks at Mary Magdalene, And the scripture of John, where she shows up, is John chapter 20, verses 11 to 18. And I think that this story is just, it highlights how Jesus meets us where we are, the way we need to be met. And yeah, I'll let that be enough. Some of the references that I make that were timely at the time are not now, since we are not in Easter or looking at the cast of Easter. But I still think that there's something that we can take from it today. So enjoy. Today will be our second look at a character of Easter, and our scripture for the day will be John 20, 1-18, and we'll be talking about Mary Magdalene. Mary is a very well-known biblical character, but she might be perhaps one of the most misunderstood. She is often depicted as a forgiven prostitute, and you may be surprised to learn that there is nothing in scripture that would point us in that direction. And... Then there was Dan Brown's depiction of her as Jesus's secret wife in the Da Vinci Code that just further muddied the water. But really, what we know about Mary's backstory isn't a lot. All we know is from Luke 8-2, and there we read that she had seven demons exercised from her, and that, along with a few other women, she helped to finance Jesus and the disciples' ministry. From that point, we know that she was a faithful disciple of Jesus's, that she was one of few people who stuck with him uh, throughout his crucifixion and resurrection. So let's take a look at John twenty one to 18, and see if we can not build a better understanding of this woman called Mary Magdalene. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not ascended yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. It's been pretty well documented on this podcast that since having daughters I cry a lot now, but this passage always threatens to bring tears streaming. It's, to me, a beautiful picture of Mary's commitment to Jesus and Jesus' loving kindness to her. A few things jump out to me, starting with verse 1. Mary was the first one there, and she wasn't just the first one there. She was there before the sun rose. I could imagine that Mary hadn't slept at all again. She'd longed to be with Jesus. As a woman, once demon-possessed, she probably had been long abandoned by her family and shunned as a sinner by her religious community. But then a Jewish rabbi came and spoke a word to those demons. This is Mary. She is mine. She is a daughter of Yahweh and a disciple of the Messiah. It's been so long since Mary had been welcomed, so long since she's thought of herself as someone's daughter, so long since she's been told that she belongs. Being with Jesus is the only home she's ever really known, and so even if that home is in a tomb and Jesus is dead, that's where Mary wants to be. Mary finds no Jesus, and so she runs to tell the disciples and finds Peter and John and lets them know what is going on, and then races back. John finds it important to note that he's faster than Peter. I'm not sure why, but here we are. Peter, then John, take a look in the tomb, and they see Jesus's burial wraps, but they see nothing else. We read that they returned home, but Mary stayed. Mary wept. The man who spoke life into her, gave her freedom, showed her what she was worth, has been killed, and that was devastating, but now his body has been taken, and she's at a complete loss. She breaks down. As her body shakes and tears stream down her face, she looks again where Jesus' body is supposed to be. She's not hopeful, it's mostly reflexive. But she sees something, someone, angels. I don't know what gave them away. We're told they were wearing white, so maybe they were like those angels in children's Bibles, white robes, flowing hair, shining light. Or perhaps they were the Ezekiel variety of angel, and they had white robes on, but they also had four faces. Either way, I'm guessing these angels were hard to miss. They address her as woman and ask why she's crying. She tells them, and then she hears another voice. Hard to to discern in the moment who is speaking to her. You know, with the image of the four faced angel still in her brain and whatnot. She tells the gardener, or so she thinks, that if he has any information on where her lord is, to spill it. He speaks a word. More than a word, he speaks her name Mary. Mary. She knows that voice. She's been called a lot of things in her life. Unfortunately, not enough of them have been her name. But that voice. Her name in that tone, she remembers that. One of the first things she remembers after coming out of the stupor of being demon-possessed is hearing her name, and it sounded just like that. Caring, gentle, affirming, loving... Her rabbi is alive. The one who has made life worth living for the first time is back. Mary doesn't have time for questions about how. Those don't concern her. At this point, if she's hallucinating, she'll take it. She lunges at Jesus. She's lost so much. She wants to hold on to the only one who has given her worth and value. Jesus tells her now isn't the time. He is alive. He does love her. And she has a job to do. Go and tell the others. I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. The next verse tells us that Jesus himself appeared to the disciples later that evening. He walked right into the room despite the doors being locked. I imagine that when Mary got there, the doors were locked as well. I assume that like Jesus, she didn't need them to unlock it. Not because she was able to go through the walls, but because in her excitement, she probably just kicked the door down. Jesus saw Mary and took compassion on her. Her life was barely worth living. Jesus changed that. She then committed her life to him. She financed his ministry. Unlike the rest of the disciples, Mary's faith and commitment to Jesus was unwavering. As the temperature around Jesus was turned up, Judas betrayed him, Peter denied him, and most of the rest scattered. Mary was at the foot of the cross. Other gospel accounts tell us that after Jesus' death, some of the apostles went back to what they knew. They went back to fishing. We don't know where Thomas was, but as the others waited together, he went off somewhere else. Mary couldn't go back to what she knew. She couldn't go back to that life. She went to the only life that she wanted to have. Mary went to the tomb before the sun had even risen. We, or at least me, are a lot like the disciples. We'll follow Jesus he's interesting. He brings us a sense of purpose and meaning. We make assumptions about what his presence in our life means about our future. But too often those assumptions aren't met. Jesus has something else. Our expectations of what God has for us shatter in front of us and we huddle together and hide or worse yet we isolate ourselves. Mary. Mary responds differently. Mary had felt the impact of Jesus' love in such a way that she was never going to let him go. Even in his death, she needed to remain close. It's all she knew. Even when she thought Jesus wasn't there for her anymore, she drew near to him. Her response to Jesus' love and care for her led to her being the first apostle. Mary Magdalene, the apostle's apostle. Jesus' meeting with Mary wasn't serendipitous. Jesus wasn't running late and he just happened to miss Peter and John, but Mary will do. Jesus chose to show up to her first. Jesus had always given Mary what she needed. He does that for all of us. Mary needed to be reunited with her Lord and Jesus graciously gave that to her. As we approach this Easter season, I'm excited about new life. The weather is turning, the sun is out longer, soon trees will be blossoming. More and more people are being vaccinated, COVID restrictions are loosening. It feels like we are coming back to life. But I can't and we can ignore the hurt of the last year. Half a million Americans are dead. People have been living in isolation and or fear. Relationships have fallen apart, families are at odds with one another. Division threatens to separate portions of our church family. We can ask, where is God in all of this? Like the disciples, we can run back to the lives that we once knew. We can head back to life as normal. This year has been full of disappointments and lost plans, and so we can try to go and make our own plans because what God had for us was too devastating. Or we can draw near to God even when we aren't sure he's still alive. We may be disappointed in what we find at first, but if we keep going to where we know Jesus is, we will sooner than later hear our names uttered from our shepherd's lips, and we, like Mary, will feel alive once again.